Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's January 27th, 2023, and today we are tackling a topic that I think many, many of us can relate to. It's just that sort of sneaking suspicion, or hey, maybe it's an outright realization that the pandemic has broken us, and some of us don't know what to do with ourselves now. We're going to have some great and honest conversation around that, and we're going to talk about it through the lens of personality types. I am joined today by my dear friend, my longtime co-host and the creator of simplyrebecca.com, Rebecca Hoffer. Rebecca, I think we should tell people from the start that this topic is very near and dear to your heart, right? <laughs> it was personally requested. I 100% <laughs> tapped Meg on the shoulder and said, I need you to help me. I need you to fix me. I'm having a crisis. I think the pandemic broke me. <laughs> and the crisis being the extrovert is not extroverting, right? Yes, 100%. That is my big concern. Yes. Well, we're going to dig into Rebecca's personal life and all of her problems. Just <laughs> Yay. I told Meg ahead of time. I said, I'm a little nervous. She's like, why? Um, that's why. This is why. <laughs> We really are. We're going to look at this concept, this idea of feeling like the pandemic has broken us in some way, especially on a personality level, that many of us feel like we're just not quite the same. We're not even the people that we thought we were before March of 2020 absolutely started abusing us. So that was a long-term bad relationship with life for all of us, I think. We even reached out and asked some of our superstar awesomes what their experiences have been and an absolute flood of responses and experiences came in. So many people are feeling this, Rebecca. I'm so thankful. I know I already told you this off mic, but I'm so thankful that you did put yourself out there, that you were vulnerable enough to say, hey, this is an actual real life thing that I would love to talk about because I promise you this, you are not the only one. So many people are relating to this idea of feeling like I'm a little broken. How do I get back to me? Or is this the new me? We're going to talk about all of that. As we dive into this question of what do we do if we feel like the pandemic has broken us? I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that is all about finding conversation, friendship, and community. 
If you have been looking for amazing women to connect with and a community that will support you no matter what age or stage of life you're in, I'm really happy to tell you that you have come to the right place because Sorta Awesome is not just a podcast, you guys. It's also your community on the go. And if you're enjoying Sorta Awesome and you want to take your Sorta Awesome experience to the next level, well, this is your formal invitation from me to make 2023 the year that you become a superstar awesome. Our superstars are our Patreon supporters and they have access to all kinds of things that, like I said, really elevates the awesome experience for you. You get hours and hours, an untold number of hours actually, of conversation of episodes that you're never gonna hear from the main sort of awesome feed. Some things are a little too spicy to put out there in the general public. Some things were actually just a little bit too personal to talk about. There are years worth of bonus episodes that you can have access to. You also get access to ad-free episodes, our texting numbers so you can text with us. We have Superstar Book Club. We've got so many Zoom hangouts planned for the year ahead. It is a great time to become a superstar. Awesome. Rebecca, I know that you are joining in. It's a team effort behind the scenes of planning all kinds of fun stuff for the year ahead for our superstars. And you've really been helping me to like, we're listening. We want to hear more from the superstars. I think there's some good stuff coming up, don't you? Oh my goodness. They have such good ideas. And I know that we have a team meeting coming up where we are brainstorming how we can facilitate some of these things. It was so smart to go to the awesomes. Of course, of course, they would have such fabulous feedback for us. So it's going to be a good year. Yes, absolutely. So it's a great time. You can go to patreon.com slash sort of awesome. Of course, we'll have links in the show notes if you want to go and check that out. We would love to have you join our superstar community. So we do have so much that we're going to get to today in our conversation, exploring that idea of feeling a little broken coming out of the true heart of the pandemic years. Listen, it's not going to be all doom and gloom, you guys. We are definitely going to get very honest. We're going to be very candid. We're going to talk about some of the impacts that we're seeing in our lives, but we're also going to talk about how to find our way back to ourselves. So don't feel like this is going to be a bummer of an episode. We are definitely exploring the awesome as well. But first, Rebecca, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. If you're new to Sorta Awesome, Awesome of the Week is that moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever's making life a little more awesome right now, whether it's a book or a TV show, a movie, music, a music. Just the one music. That's all you get. <laughs> one note. <laughs> one. That's it. Maybe a podcast or a product, something that's bringing that gold sparkle to your real life every day. Rebecca, what do you have for us this week? My awesome of the week is the book that everybody seems to be reading right now and buzzing about, and it is the memoir Spare by Prince Harry. Oh my goodness. Yes. I haven't even started this. I need to know your experience. Have you finished it? Or are you still reading it? Okay, I have not finished it. And that is something that I never do is bring an awesome of the week that I haven't even completed yet. But I can just tell I know it is timely. It is important. Everybody's talking about it. I am completely enthralled in it. And so in good faith that it is going to continue to be such a powerful experience. I am already bringing it as my awesome of the week, even though I'm only about halfway through the book. So I am listening to it on audio. 
And I think that that is really the way to go. There is something just so amazing and powerful about listening on audio and hearing Prince Harry tell his own story and in his own voice. So that's how I've been listening to it. Highly recommend it on audio. And here are some things that are standing out to me. Obviously, he's sharing about his story. He's done a lot of sharing of his story lately, and I think that's getting some controversial opinions. There is the potential that there is some debate as to whether or not everything that he's sharing is actually all that awesome or whether, you know, he should just be like keeping some things to himself. Listen, I'm not big into the royal family. I'm not here for the controversy. I'm not here for the debate. I'm just here for the storytelling. And I will tell you that as somebody who does not closely follow the royal family, I am enthralled in this memoir. And these are things that are standing Really? Yes, yes. It is so good. So the common themes that I'm seeing are lies being told in the media, the royal family choosing to stay silent about some of those lies, the biggest thing being Harry's experience when his mother, Princess Diana, passed away. He was only 12 years old. And one thing that he talks about a lot is that For a long while, he actually convinced himself that she had gone into hiding and that she wasn't actually dead. So every time that he brings up her death in the memoir, he calls it her disappearance. And there's just something so like gut-wrenching about that. And I think that's the most important thing that I'm taking out of all this is you can have negative thoughts and feelings about some of Prince Harry's choices, but... At the root of it, you have a little boy who lost his mom and who is having a hard time. And so as he sometimes makes questionable decisions, as he experiments some with drugs, as he then goes on, which I haven't even gotten to this part of the memoir yet, but then goes on to like leave his royal lifestyle behind him. What he's really doing is he's having a hard time. And I think he's just under so much scrutiny and pressure from the press, from his family, from years, decades and decades, hundreds and hundreds of years of expectation and pressure. At the root of it, he's a little boy who lost his mom and he's having a hard time. And it's so powerful and heartbreaking. And that's what I hear from everybody. I've been talking about it on social media and every person who comes back to me and tells me that they're listening to it, they're reading it, everybody says the same two words. Powerful and heartbreaking. Powerful and heartbreaking. Okay. Wow. I cannot wait to dive into this book. I love a memoir in general, and I absolutely agree with you. I think every memoir, you should only experience it in audio if the person is reading it themselves because they're telling their story. And to hear that in their own voice is so powerful and so important. But I love a memoir in general. This one does sound so fascinating. People have. Rebecca, so many big feelings about this book, about Harry, about Harry and Meghan. It's a lot. It's so polarizing. And you know what? So I said to you, I'm tempted to make Spare my awesome of the week, but I haven't finished it yet. And you really encouraged me. Oh, yeah, go for it. And it was after that that I was like, oh, shoot, there's going to be some people (laughs) that think this is a controversial choice. Yeah. Listen, I'm just not here for the drama. You don't like it. It's not for you. Just scroll on by. Like, that's totally fine. But I think 
that one thing that it is just revealing within myself is the general need for empathy. And, you know, as an Enneagram 9, I feel like this is your strong suit. Oh, Being able sure. to recognize that some people are experiencing the world in ways that are different than how we are experiencing the world. And it's very easy for us to have our opinions on how somebody should act and behave and the decisions that they should make, the things that mm. they should be grateful for when we are sitting over here. But the reality is they are living over here in this other reality. And things look different from that perspective. Right. And yeah. from that perspective, oh, my word, he was just having a really, really hard time. I mean, we're talking like years and years and years. that He believed that mm. his mother was still going to come back for him. Oh, my gosh. That does break and my heart. How do you process your grief and your feelings yeah. and the world when one of the most tragic experiences of your life, you haven't even come to believe to be true? Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that perspective. Like I said, I'm just really, really excited to dig into this. One other little thing that I will say about this audio experience, because, you know, I do not listen to audio very much at all, but right. this book is long. This is a long audiobook experience. But one thing is that there are lots of chapters and the chapters are short. So if you feel like, oh, I can do an audiobook, but I don't know, I can only listen little spurts of time. I don't have an hour or even like 30 minutes to just dedicate to listening to an audiobook. Some of these chapters are as quick as under 10 minutes. And so oh, wow. you can jump in and jump out very easily, which I think is only a plus. So anyway, if you never have experienced audio, if listening to a memoir and audio is a new experience for you, I think this is a really great one to start with. Okay, thank you. So excited. Can't wait to get into it myself. My Awesome of the Week is also an audio experience. It's a podcast. It is an Awesome of the Week this week, but it has been for a while. I came across this podcast via a Spotify recommendation. I guess it's been a couple of months ago now. Spotify is like, really, they're pushing forward. They do not want to be just your music place. They want to do your home for your podcast and your audiobooks too, as well. And so since I've listened to a few Spotify original podcasts, Spotify is always like, hey, I like this podcast, this podcast. So they suggested for me the podcast that is called Other World. And I will tell you straight off the top, it deals with the supernatural, but not just ghost stories. Okay. You know you've already lost me, Meg. I do not do... Why are you so resistant? Why? <laughs> because it's creepy. Because I want to okay. sleep at night. Give you that. <laughs> it is. Okay. First, I should say this. I am taking an extended sabbatical from true crime podcasts, which, as you know, has been a key part of my podcast listening experience for years. But Rebecca, I just finally did get to the point where I realized in a sort of self-aware, step back and be present with yourself in the moment kind of way, I realized listening to the true crime podcast was making me just feel sad and angry every time I was listening to it. Now, one of my favorite podcasts of the year last year was a true crime series. I will admit that. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to take a break. And this supernatural style podcast is really filling that need for me. So let me tell you a little bit about Otherworld. I know you're not going to like it, but just... <laughs> Humor me, Rebecca. I Humor love me. that you move from well, like one dark and twisty type of genre to yes. another dark yes, and twisty fully. type of genre. Fully. Yes, I have. 
This is created and hosted by a man named Jack Wagner. He is somebody who takes a kind of journalistic approach to this whole thing of otherworldly type things. Again, yes, there are some ghost stories in here, but it is not all ghost stories. And what I really appreciate so much about the way that Jack Wagner has created this podcast is it's almost all just people telling their stories. And I know from having worked in the podcast industry for almost eight years, the better part of the past decade, I know that when you are listening to a podcast and it's someone telling their story, that it may sound just like the most natural thing in the world, like they just hit record and bada bing, bada boom, you've got a podcast episode. That's a really well-produced podcast episode when you're not even aware that any production went into it at all, any editing or whatever. And so what Jack Wagner does with this podcast is he sets up the story at the beginning of the episode, and then he kind of just lets people talk. Now, you know, you have to know, and, and sometimes it's interjected into the actual episode that he's asking people questions and listening for their responses and kind of taking the responses and moving on from there. But the finished product when you're listening is really just people telling their stories. There are episodes that talk about people who've had the experience of losing time, like losing a huge chunk of time, like hours and hours of their life where they just came to and this huge chunk of time was gone. I will say there's a few that I have not even listened to because they're just not interesting to me. <laughs> just buckle up, Rebecca, because some of them are about things like gnomes like are gnomes real yes exactly okay. <laughs> that furrowing of your brow is also <laughs> me when I saw that in the episode description I was like maybe there are but I don't need to know everything <laughs> on this okay. planet so if gnomes are real I actually don't want to know <laughs> I mean how funny that you cross the line at gnomes everybody has a line and that's Meg's Gnomes. Who knows? Gnomes is the line for me. I'm not going <laughs> to listen to that one, probably. But I'm just trying to think back on some of the other ones. There are plenty that deal with this idea of what happens to us after we die. In fact, I will tell you this. As a starter episode, I would point you to episode five. So episode five is called The Messenger, and it's about a woman named Anne who completely, not something that she asked for, discovers in her adult life that people who have passed on come to her to tell things, messages to loved ones that they've left behind. And I know that sounds like, okay, I think we've all kind of heard this story before. And is it real? How real can it be? The Messenger is such a personal and just so very human episode. I loved it. And again, it does kind of deal with this idea of the supernatural in the sense of somebody receiving messages to pass on to the living after they have died. But the way she talks about it, this is not something she asked for or that she's particularly excited about as being a reality in her life. But it's happened so many times in the stories that she tells about it. It's happened so many times that she's just like, this is part of the bigger purpose, I guess, that I'm supposed to serve while I'm here. It's not something that happens all the time. It happens, you know, every couple of years or whatever, but it was just really beautiful and just like a really powerful conversation about what does happen after we die and what surrounds us on a daily basis that we maybe don't even know about that could point us towards what happens in the afterlife. It's really good. So that's episode five, The Messenger. 
But truly, I've really enjoyed almost every episode of this. The storytelling is really well done and the production of it, great. And Jack is a fantastic host as well. So highly recommend. Okay, well, you know, I scrunched my nose up a bit because I'm afraid of being spooked. What you're describing doesn't sound spooky. There are some episodes that are spooky, to be clear. There are some that are (laughs) like, oh my gosh, I had to turn it off because I had to go down to my basement at night and I was listening to it. And I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) this is too scary. There are some that are spooky, but there are plenty of them that are just like, what happened? Like they're mysterious. Uh They're just things like the unexplained. Sure. Okay. Okay. That's very good. It's called Otherworld. I listen to it on Spotify, but you can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. I'll put links in the show notes for you guys to go check that out. So, you know that we love to hear what is awesome in your life every single week. So please come and find us in one of our online communities. Truly, this is where the community part of Sorta Awesome comes to life. Come and find us on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout. We would love to have you join us there daily. There are just tons and tons of conversations happening where we're just coming together and supporting each other in things as simple as TV recommendations and help me pick a gift for this person in my life to much, much more serious things where you just need somebody to come in and kind of speak some truth and help you find the awesome in a situation. So come find us on Facebook. Again, Sort of Awesome Hangout or on Instagram. You guys were having so much fun over on Instagram at Sort of Awesome Show. All kinds of stuff, stories, reels, pictures, conversations. We're having a great time. And we also love to hear what's awesome in your life every Friday over there at Sort of Awesome Show. All right, Rebecca, we're going to be talking about you and your struggles. (laughs) Yay. You're not as amused <laughs> by this as I am. <laughs> no, seriously, we are. We're going to get into what Rebecca shared with me that we both were like, I think this is a good conversation to have for the show. And we're going to get to that when we come right back. Hey, awesomes. So there's been this trend on TikTok lately where people are showing their everything shower routines when they really do all of their self-care shower stuff. I absolutely love it. And I have added to my everything shower and actually my everyday take care of myself shower routine, my new favorite shampoo, conditioner, and curl products. And it's all from Pros. I'm honestly, truly obsessed with Pros because they make custom hair care that's effective and personal. They use natural ingredients with proven results, but the thing is, is that Pros customizes every product in your routine. First, Pros starts by asking about my hair goals. They asked about some things like, am I worried about volume? Do I want to look at balancing my scalp? Am I concerned about hair shedding? Which... 100% yes, I am. Then their in-depth consultation also asks things about me as a person. So pros asked me some really unexpected things like what my eating habits are, my exercise routine. You guys, they even asked me about my zip code so they could analyze and evaluate how hard the water is in the area I live. So then pros analyzed all my answers. They handpicked clean ingredients to help me reach my hair goals. Based on everything I told pros, they gave me this chart, this readout telling me in order of importance, what hair issues I need to target. For example, at the top of the list, dryness. Yes, that's true. Damage. Yes, my color-treated hair needs lots of help with damage recovery. I was blown away by how absolutely personalized the whole experience is. So get in on the pros with me. Pros is the key to achieving all your hair goals this year. Take your free 
in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off of your first order today. Go to pros.com slash awesome. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash awesome for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed so you don't have to download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, we are back. And this week we are talking about that feeling that many of us have right now. This sort of like assessing who we are and how we're experiencing life right now and just feeling like, I feel like I have changed in a fundamental way. I don't know what's going on and I'm not sure if I like it. And I really feel like (laughs) these past three years are to blame. So Rebecca, if it's okay with you, I really did want to start with your story where you have been in terms of feeling like, I don't recognize this part of myself and I don't even feel like this is me anymore. Can you kind of help us to see where you're coming from with that? Okay, so my Myers-Briggs personality type is ESFP. And a big part of that is that I am an extrovert. I am detail-oriented. I lean heavily on feelings and I love spontaneity versus a really structured routine, right? And the ESFP personality type even has the descriptor of being the performer. And I see it a lot as being the fun one and like really leaning into what feels good and what is fun. And I just don't feel fun anymore. And I feel like a big part of that is my extrovertedness. I like the idea of being an extrovert. I have taken that on as part of my personality. It is something that as the three main co-hosts here that you and Kelly and I all have in common and that we joke about and that we lean on, the funness of it all, the outgoingness of it all. And again, I just don't feel that fun anymore. And it's getting in my Mm. head of, well, maybe I'm not really extroverted anymore. Yeah. And this is where like, I kind of wanted to come to you because I know that there are some things about personality type, especially like introvert versus extrovert. You can't just quite flip a switch and like, maybe you'll get to some of that. Yeah. But I want to be an extrovert. So it's not like, well, this is just a season that I'm in and like, it feels okay. Just kind of doesn't feel okay. I feel I take a lot more time to rejuvenate and recover my energy after Mm. being with people. And that's kind of the key component between introvertedness and extrovertedness, right? It's not necessarily like, well, extroverts like people and introverts hate people. (laughs) That's not what it is. Right. Which is, (laughs) it's not even necessarily that, well, introverts are shy. 
and extroverts are right. outgoing. It really is about what gives you the most energy. Yes. Does being with people and talking with people and going out and doing things, does that make you feel alive and fulfilled and rejuvenated? Or does that make you leave you feeling kind of exhausted and like you need to replenish then with alone time? And that's what I'm feeling. This incredible need to replenish with alone time. Yeah. We were talking in an overflow episode and you asked me, overflow episodes are just for our superstar supporters. And you had asked me if I had a word for the year. <laughs> and I laughed and was like, <laughs> no. And then one came to me. And do you remember what I said my word was? <laughs> <laughs> Your bed? Yes, bed, bed. I said, I just want to be in my bed. I just want to lay in my bed. I want to eat in my bed. I want to watch TikTok in my bed. I want to read in my bed. I want to sleep in my bed. I just want to be in my bed. And like, that's kind of how I feel. That seems like a red flag. <laughs> that's not you, for sure. Yeah. Everything just feels harder. And like, it takes more time for me to recover that energy that I enjoy putting out. But then afterwards, I kind of feel the effects of it. Like even recording podcasts, I feel like if I record a podcast in the afternoon, I have a completely different energy level and level of patience than days when I don't. Like at the end yeah. of the day, I feel different. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I just don't know that that's always how it's been for me. And so then I'm like, well, but if I'm not an extrovert, who am I? Okay, well, don't worry. We're going to get to my diagnosis. <laughs> Unprofessional though it may be. We are going to talk through more of that. I think that for me, when you said that you were feeling like you needed a lot of downtime after social interaction, that stood out to me because, again, despite what pop culture tells you, the true, true essence of the extrovert and introvert split or divide is just where you get your energy from. If it's from the external world or the internal world, there are extroverts who get their energy not from other people, but from engaging with the world outside of themselves. There are introverts who love to talk to people, but they are truly rejuvenated. They get their energy from something inward. So that's really what we're talking about. Let's talk about some of the responses that the superstars shared with us, because this has been Rebecca's experience of feeling like the pandemic broke her in some way. We put it out to the superstars through texting with them and asked for some of their experiences. And I wanted to share, and I asked everybody permission who responded if we could share some snippets of what they said, because Rebecca and I are both extroverts. So we have one experience of it, but people are like all over the place in terms of feeling like they have not recovered to their former selves. And so we wanted to share some of those. The first one I wanted to read is from Superstar Christy, who is also an ESFP. And I think Rebecca, you're probably going to hear a lot of what you just said in Christy's words. She said, yes, as an ESFP, I thrive on spontaneity and positive outlooks. As you can imagine, calculating every move and having to surrender the, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine attitude was the hardest. She also was pregnant during that time. We'll talk about that in a minute. That was a whole complicating thing. And then she said as an S, as a sensing type, there was so much of the conflicting information and opinions. And a lot of S's do like to have things that are like pretty easy to understand and can be applied across the board. 
And she said, especially when people you love and respect suddenly have very different views than you thought they would or that you do, that that was very draining for her as well. And I know I'm sure you can identify as another ESFP with a lot of what she said there. Yes, most definitely. I mean, yes to everything. <laughs> yes, yes to all of it. <laughs> yes. Corey says that she is an INFP. And rather than the pandemic breaking her personality, she feels like she's now a more maxed out version of herself. She says she feels like she's always been an introvert, but it was more borderline. At least she was selectively extroverted. And now she no longer wants to reach out socially. She wants to want to, but instead she says, I've become much too comfortable in my little bubble of home and family. Yeah, very relatable. We heard over and over again from introverts on the thing of spending time at home. Some of them did feel troubled. Some of our superstars who are introverts felt troubled that they were wanting to stay home so much more and that they were missing people. Other introverts honestly were like, I loved being at home. <laughs> I didn't feel broken by that part at all. I love having so much time to myself, so much solo time. And they really thrived in that specific part of their lives during that time. We have superstar Kate, who's an ISTJ. So these are the logistician types. These are the very like rational, they like predictability, all of that. So Kate said that the pandemic has hurt relationships and her mental health. And she had a baby in 2020, her first baby. And she said that, you know, having a newborn and with everything being closed down, that it really damaged relationships in her life. And then she said, I thought this was really interesting because I think so many people can identify with this. Kate said, I realized I was relying on my husband for all the different kinds of emotional relationship needs, which is unrealistic and impossible. But it was just because he was the constant adult in my life. And I kind of wanted to pull on that thread a little bit because not only have community relationships suffered and friendships have suffered, but this has been a really hard time for marriages and long-term partnerships as well, because in isolation, a lot of times we were turning to our partners for every single thing and to be everything to us at all times. That's really difficult. It's difficult to be everything to someone for an extended amount of time. And I think that's something that we don't really talk about enough. Carla says, I'm an INFJ, and I absolutely feel like a broken personality after the pandemic. I'm more in an I've had it mode and push back a lot more than I used to. I feel more extroverted now, or at least more of an extroverted introvert. I want to be around people more, and I'm especially trying to rebuild some connections from this past year. I feel like so many friendships got damaged during the pandemic, and introverted me didn't have a big circle to begin with. I think that that is something that we've heard over and over too, that if you already had a small circle of friends, then all of those impacts that we're feeling from the pandemic, we feel it like in a magnified way. It feels a lot bigger when big changes happen to a little group of friends. And for an INFJ to get into I've had it mode, you know, INFJs are generally really nurturing and really about caring for people. And I think a lot of people feel like they don't have as much patience with other people <laughs> in this post-pandemic reality. Nancy wrote something that I think is so relatable. She said, I most definitely feel like the pandemic has changed my personality. 
everything got taken off my calendar and I haven't wanted to add anything back on. Everything seems way too overwhelming. Hosting my bi-monthly book club again, no thank you. If I pick a date, I most likely won't want to do it that day. No energy to give to others when it used to fill me up. My Bible study bores me, takes too much out of me when it used to refresh me and be so fun. Reading books is a favorite hobby, but now I can't concentrate or even pick books that interest me. I've always been introverted, but became even more so in the past two years. It's been unsettling to experience these changes, and I don't know how to fix it, which I think that Nancy's description there is this kind of languishing, you know, word that we've heard so much in the past year or so of just feeling like nothing brings me the joy that I used to experience or the things that did bring me joy. I don't even want to go back to it. I don't have the energy to go back to it. That feeling of everything being so overwhelming, I think is so universal right now. Yeah, I really related to what Jessie Lee says. She said, I am an ENFJ who is still very much an ENFJ, but the E shows up differently now. I used to get that extroverted bucket filled in a manner of ways like going shopping or hanging out at kid activities. Well, now I don't seem to have the energy for those things in the same way. I crave more quiet and less chitter chatter. However, I deeply need in-person interactions to feel healthy and whole, such as gathering with friends, going out to parties, hanging out with coworkers. These remain important for me to feel energized. Yeah, I think that a lot of extroverts are finding that they just don't have the capacity for the big group stuff that they used to have. That totally makes sense. One thing I wanted to bring up was Alyssa, one of our superstars, talked about a different aspect of personality change. So Alyssa said, I'm an ESTJ and I can tell that over time I've been losing a bit of my J-ness. So J being, this is something we've been talking about extroversion versus introversion. But at the end of Myers-Briggs, you have the J or P paradigm, the judging or the perceiving paradigm with J's being really highly motivated to just make a decision. They like to get all the information. They want to make a decision. They want to move forward. For those of us who are P's, who are perceivers, we like to continually take in that information. We can take a lot longer in making decisions. It's sometimes more painful for us to make a decision because then we have to let go of all the possibilities. So she said that she feels like she's been losing her J-ness. She said, I'm, I'm much slower to make decisions, especially when it comes to future planning or any commitment that's more than a few weeks away. I think the pandemic introduced so much uncertainty. I feel like I'm missing that firm foundation that forms the basis to decision-making. Rebecca, I'm wondering also, just to switch personality languages, I'm wondering if as a six, if that impact is something that you've noticed that you just can't stop thinking maybe about all of the things that could go wrong and that makes it really hard to plan anything. Does that resonate at all? Yeah, 100%. As a six, when you're like a worst case scenario thinker and you're living during a pandemic, oh, good golly, there's a lot of worst case scenarios to think through. So on one level, it felt like I was naturally trained to think of all of those different scenarios and try my best to kind of like plan, okay, well, if this happens and we'll do this or this happens and we'll do this and this happens, we'll do this. But then making the decision is difficult for me. Then when I would make a decision, it's almost like, well, what was the point? Because things got canceled or changed anyway. So you do like all of this planning or like strategizing, well, we could do this and then we could do this. And then when you finally muster up the courage to actually make a decision, then it's almost like you were punished for it because then, oh, well, now this person 
is coughing. And now it doesn't matter all of the planning that you did and all the effort that you went through to make the decision because it's now all thrown out the window anyway. Yes, yes. So relatable. Even those of us who are not good planners, man, that is so relatable. Well, I did want to throw out a few other perspectives because again, not everybody felt like they were broken in some way by the pandemic. One thing we didn't really even talk about is we have people who had babies, like life goes on. People had babies. They experienced the entirety of new parenthood, you know, kind of in isolation or with very limited contact. That is a huge, huge life change. And to go through that fairly well alone was difficult. Other people were grieving, grieving real losses, losses of people in their lives, like losing people kind of grief, but also grieving maybe a job or an experience that you had planned on having that got canceled. There was a lot of grief that we were experiencing as well. So there's a variety of experiences that people had, but a few of our superstars were like, well, actually for me, <laughs> it was a little different. So superstar Karen said, I feel the opposite as in she didn't feel broken. She said, as an ISTJ, Enneagram 6, Wing 5, I felt like my personality type served me well for weathering the pandemic. My plan aheadness had me stocking my pantry a couple of weeks before there was a panic. And so she kind of felt like, yeah, I was prepared going into this. And I was thankful for my personality and my way of seeing things that allowed me to be prepared going into the pandemic. And then superstar Lisa said, I don't feel the pandemic broke or changed my personality. I do feel it helped me get quiet get clearer on what fills me up and what drains me on how I want to spend my time and with whom. In normal life, it's next to impossible to truly hush the din of responsibilities and relationships and distractions. And she's an ENFP like I am. So I thought that was a good perspective. And then our friend Colleen said that she did feel like the pandemic had affected her personality, but she said not the entirely the pandemic directly to personality, but more like the crucible of something overturning life in the way the pandemic did and the ripple effects that brought to the surface some issues that needed to come to the surface. And I think a lot of people can relate to that as well, that just like having life turned upside down gave them a perspective that they might never have had and what they might have filed under personality traits or whatever Turns out that that was, you know, exactly what they needed to be able to shake things up in their lives and find a healthier path forward. So I kind of wanted to throw some of those perspectives out there. So those are some of the experiences we've heard from our awesome community, their feelings about how they might feel like their personality has shifted in a fundamental way. Rebecca, thank you for opening up and sharing what this has looked like for you, even if it is a little bit, you know, vulnerable to put that out there. But I do have some thoughts on why we're feeling this way and even more importantly, what we can do next to kind of get back into the rhythms that feel so true to us, or at least to the people that we were before the pandemic. So we're going to talk about all of that when we come right back. Hey, friends, I just want to stop and take a moment to say thank you to our Patreon supporters. They are our superstar Awesomes. These superstars keep this podcast and our community free for everyone to have access to 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long. Because of their support, 
we can keep creating and sharing our awesome approach to life with people all around the world. We have declared 2023 as the year of the superstar here at Sorta Awesome, and we have so many great things planned, including more bonus podcast episodes, more superstar live gatherings. You never know what we've got up our sleeve. Now is a great time to join us in the superstar community. You can do that so easily at patreon.com slash Sorta Awesome. All right, we are back and we are talking today all about what to do if you feel like the pandemic has broken you in some way. I have to tell you that I found out some really interesting things in my research about why this is happening. So one of our superstars, when I put this question out to them, one of our superstars, Lindsay, sent me a newsletter from a newsletter called Sarah by the Season. And she was kind of talking about this same thing of feeling like your personality is different. She referenced another newsletter called My Sweet Dumb Brain. And in that, Katie Hawkins Gar talks about this post-COVID study. And Rebecca, this is so fascinating to me. She writes that in the study, researchers found that the personality changes of the people that they had studied, they were looking specifically at some very key markers of personality. It wasn't Myers-Briggs. It was just commonly understood things. One of them being extroversion, introversion, other things being like adaptability, openness to change, those types of things. The researchers found in this study that those of us who have gone through the pandemic experienced one decade of normative personality change. So all of us have experienced the same impact that a decade of life and changes that would happen to your personality over time in 10 years all condensed down into the past three years, which I thought was so fascinating. Well, no wonder I feel like an old lady who just wants to be in her bed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm at least 10 years older. (laughs) Literally, it's as if we have aged 10 years, not physically, but on a psychological level, like personality-wise, emotionally, right? Goodness. How do they figure that out? <laughs> I don't Sorry, know. that's the skeptic in me. I'm like, how do they measure that? <laughs> that doesn't seem right. <laughs> I will not only link those two newsletters in the show notes, but also I did go, and I don't know how to read research very well, but I read the abstract for the study and I will link to the study itself if you would like to read more about it, Rebecca, so that can feed your skeptic side. <laughs> kind of reassure you. That is really fascinating though. If anything, I think it just gives you permission to be like, okay, we always expect to change throughout our lifetime. And this is perhaps an escalated change. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think the big thing is, and again, this came up in everything I was looking at, research and perspectives, we're talking about personalities, that it's actually quite normal and natural that as we age, we come more into balance that people who are highly introverted may find as they age that they're more open to finding energy from being around people. The people who are wildly extroverted are more at peace with being with themselves. And those are just two aspects of personality. But that over time, as we age, as we mature, that it's very natural and very normal to see some shifts in personality. But to see it happen in such a fast pace is what is really quite alarming for those of us who've gone through the pandemic years. 
the main thing I was thinking about as I began to think about you specifically, Rebecca, and like what is going on here has to do with a question that you even asked me, like, does this mean I'm turning more into an ambivert, which is a term colloquially used for people who don't identify as introvert or extrovert. They feel like they can be both, that sometimes they're more introverted, sometimes they're more extroverted. And that's certainly a phrase and a thing that people might identify more closely with. If you look at Myers-Briggs from a more Jungian psychology aspect, then we would be talking about our cognitive functions, which is something that I can't help but to talk about every time we talk about personality types. And that's because when you look at cognitive functions for each Myers-Briggs personality type, everybody is extroverted and everybody is introverted. We all have functions of our personality that have to do with the world outside of us. So they're extroverted. We all have functions of our personality that have to do with our inner world. So they're more introverted. The difference being, if you are a type that starts with an I, the introverted types, that just means that your primary function, the primary way that you are interacting with the world around you is one that's introverted. So it has to do with your inner world. If you're an extrovert, like you and I, then our primary functions are extroverted. It has to do with the world outside of us. And all of us then, our second cognitive function is going to be the opposite of that. So if I'm an extrovert, that means my primary function is extroverted, but my very next one is introverted. In that sense, we're all extroverted, we're all introverted. It all has to do with when we're talking about Am I an ambivert? It all has to do really coming back to that idea of how am I interacting with the world? Do I prefer the world outside of myself? Do I prefer the inner world? So bearing that in mind, Rebecca, when people are talking about personality types, have you ever heard of anyone talking about shadow types? No. Have I? I don't think I have. Okay. Trying to think about the easiest way to say this. The shadow types or our shadow functions are like the unconscious part of our personality. And there's a theory in personality theory that the shadow functions or the shadow types appear when we are under a great deal of stress. And so when we're under stress, it's like as a sort of defense mechanism, we kind of flip over into our shadow selves or our shadow functions start to take over. And this is different than our wing types. Right. So wings would be in Enneagram theory, your wing is that's on either side of your primary number. So you're a six and you would have either a dominant five wing or a dominant seven wing as a six in Enneagram theory. But this is totally different because I guess a way that you could say this is similar is in Enneagram theory, you have your arrows of health and your arrows of stress, right? And so In Enneagram theory, we talk about if you're under stress, you move to a certain number, you take up the unhealthy attributes of that number. This is the same thing. It's just called something different in Myers-Briggs theory. Yeah, I'm familiar with that concept in Enneagram, which is why I went there to the wings and I flipped types on (laughs) us without even realizing it. But I don't think I've ever heard of this within the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. So this is a version of that. Exactly. Yeah, it really is. I hadn't even thought about it until you said that, but it is the same concept that when we're under stress as a sort of self-defense mechanism that our brains, our inner motivations move into different expressions of ourselves just to kind of get us through that stressful thing. A lot of parents who are extroverts maybe recognize this happening to them when they become parents. 
if you go through that season of new parenthood and everything's overwhelming and you're stressed all the time, a lot of people who are parents might think, oh my gosh, I was such an extrovert. And now all I want to do is just stay at home and I don't have any motivation to go out. It's kind of that same idea that when you're under a lot of stress that you don't feel like yourself. So I want to talk about you specifically, Rebecca, but anybody who's listening, who's curious about this, if you know your Myers-Briggs type, you can go and look and see what your cognitive functions are. And you can also do some research and figure out what the shadow type is for your Myers-Briggs type. So what you do is the two inner letters. So Myers-Briggs has four letters. The two inner letters, the middle letters, those stay the same. And then you reverse the outer letters, the first and the fourth letters. So Rebecca, as an ESFP, your shadow type then is ISFJ. I'm an ENFP. My shadow type would be INFJ. So does that make sense? The center two letters stay the same. Flip the outer letters. And here is what that looks like in reality as we start to break it down. So as an ESFP, Rebecca, your primary function is extroverted sensing. When you're healthy, that extroverted sensing is the main way you're taking in information. You use your senses to understand the world around you. You are in the moment. You prefer dealing with things that are real and solid over just the hypothetical. You're like, okay, but what does this mean in real life? And this extroverted sensing is the main personality function that makes you want to seek out playful sensory experiences. That's when you're healthy, okay? When you're under stress and you flipped into ISFJ mode, then you're taking on an unhealthy expression of ISFJ's primary cognitive function, which is introverted sensing, okay? So under healthy circumstances, you're an extroverted sensor. Under stress, you're an introverted sensor. So a healthy ISFJ loves to use their introverted sensing to catalog experiences, to remember experiences they've had. They have a very organized internal world. Their mind can put together pieces of information, categorize it. They like practical systems. They like rules. They like strategies, not in like an uptight way. It's just how they feel good about the world. It gives them a sense of being really grounded, of having a really solid, comfortable black and white way of moving through the world. So that's a healthy ISFJ. For an ESFP who's using this as a shadow function, when you're under stress, you don't want playful. You don't want new experiences. You find that you are like moving towards rules and predictability and practicality. Does that resonate in terms of how you're feeling in this like post-pandemic era of not craving that newness as much, craving more predictability and rules. Yes, I think so. Definitely in the realm of, I found myself extremely frustrated that there didn't seem to be good black and white, or at least what I thought seemed like it was black and white. Other people were like, nope, the opposite is black and white. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, well then that is not very black and white. Why can't we all (laughs) just agree to do the same thing? And then let's always do that and not push against it because then that's where people are getting all stressed out and their feelings like all messed up. So you're saying that when I am in a stressful place, that I lean towards how a healthy 
ISFJ functions? No, the opposite. It'd be like an unhealthy <laughs> ISFJ. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what I thought. But then you were yeah. describing like all of these things that when yeah. the ISFJ is healthy, that these are the things right. that they're kind of craving. Okay. Yes. And I can see how that was confusing. What I'm trying to say is that introverted sensing is a great function for ISFJ. That's how they prefer seeing the world. But when it's applied to an ESFP, it's sort of like an Enneagram theory that it's like you take up the unhealthy expression of that. An unhealthy ISFJ also would be like clinging to rules and clinging to the black and white and not wanting to look at other people's experiences. That would be very unlike an ISFJ. That would definitely be an ISFJ under stress. And so it's like taking up the downsides or the negative or the unhealthy expressions of introverted sensing. And it feels unhealthy and it's manifesting in a way that's unhealthy for you because that's not your home base. It's literally the opposite of how you normally take in information. You're normally energized and revived and inspired by these experiences that are outside of yourself. Under stress, you are just closing in on yourself and you don't want those new experiences. You want to stick to the predictable and the practical. So that's one example. I can see you're still thinking about that. <laughs> no, it's like resonating with me and I'm trying not to get emotional because oh. that does feel a lot like what my experience has been. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just staying home is just so much easier than dealing with everything outside and not just like outside, um, not just like outside my home, like my actual physical home, but just outside the bubble of safety. Yes. Of like whatever that is, whether that's like the physical safety or the emotional safety, the friendship safety, the relationship safety. Mm, yes. So yeah, that makes a sense. Okay. Well, you take a minute. We'll talk about <laughs> me for a minute. <laughs> maybe, maybe okay. I'll get emotional Excellent. too. <laughs> but thank you for sharing that. And I, I am glad that it resonates because I do think that so many people have found themselves, even if they're different personality types, totally, of having that disequilibrium of just viewing the world in a completely opposite way than you used to and experiencing the world in such an opposite way than you did before the pandemic started. And that is what leads us to feeling like we're broken. So for me as an ENFP, my primary cognitive function is extroverted intuition. And so when I'm healthy, I find it energizing and exhilarating to take in tons of information. I like all the open tabs. I will scroll all of TikTok. I find it so exhilarating to take in information from the outside world. So extroverted being like, I'm all about the outside world. Intuition being that taking in the nonverbal experiences of life, the hypothetical, learning new things, being very surface level and learning a lot of things. That's extroverted intuition. And when I'm healthy, it feels great. Again, as an ENFP, my shadow type would be INFJ. NF stays the same, flip the outer letters. And so an INFJ, their primary cognitive function is introverted intuition. So this is the function that allows them to take one topic and do a deep dive and really take it in and examine it and think about how it fits in with their inner world, their inner code of values. They find it very satisfying and very fulfilling to do a deep dive and to really take that information in and incorporate it into their lives. However, for an ENFP who's under stress, that introverted intuition means, again, I just want to go inward. 
I just want to focus on one thing. And oftentimes, the one thing I want to focus on, I'm just doing it as an escape. I'm not doing it to learn anything or to apply it to my inward code of values the way an INFJ would do when they're healthy. I'm doing it because I am shutting out the world around me. I don't want to learn anything new. I don't want to hear anything new. And I find everything to be extremely overwhelming. Whereas normally, it's so fun to have all of these, you know, new pieces of information coming at me. And so I definitely relate to that. I think this is why the past few years, I haven't even wanted to read or do anything. I find it very un inspiring. I did some reading, but like last year, you know, we talked about this on the Awesome Overflow for December. I just completely bailed on reading, which is, as one of our superstars said, it's always been a favorite hobby of mine. And I find myself turning to the more junk food reading of things like fan fiction (laughs) that don't cause me to explore anything new. It's like, I like to just keep going back to the same familiar thing over and over instead of being open to new experiences and ideas. So Those are some examples of that. Again, you can look at your own cognitive functions for your type and your shadow type and kind of piece together like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. This is why I've been feeling this way. But Rebecca, I do want to talk about what do we do now? If we know that because of the stress and the strain and the pressure and the grief of the past few years has impacted us in this way, what do we do now? My biggest encouragement is to say we are in our aftercare era. Mm, forget self-care <laughs> don't forget self-care self-care is part of aftercare but we are going full on aftercare you guys might remember back in episode 424 i pointed out that even the universe with saturn shifting out of aquarius and into pisces even the universe is telling us it is time to receive healing It is time to treat ourselves as somebody, as people who have been through a trauma and are ready to receive aftercare. Now, aftercare might be a term you're familiar with. It's often used in the realm of non-vanilla sexual encounters. There's that. I was not going to go there, Meg. I I just want to put it on the table. (laughs) If you're like, what are we talking about? That's one way that you might have heard it used. It's also used in the recovery community for people who are leaving an intensive rehab program who are intensely coming out of addiction and into the sustainability of ongoing recovery. We talk about, you know, them needing to receive aftercare in that transition. There's also aftercare after trauma. And that's what we're talking about. It is being able to make space for healing. And I was kind of thinking about, this is probably not even a great metaphor, but Rebecca, if you think about pregnancy, And the changes that happen in the body during pregnancy, there are nine months of shifting and stretching and your body doing things that you didn't even know it was capable of doing. And it happens over the spread of nine months. And that's why we talk about it's completely unrealistic to think that your whole body is going to go back to normal in like six weeks, right? Because it had nine months of shifting and stretching. It's the same thing here. I think all of us have got to be realistic that we have been through three years of being pushed and stretched and bombarded with stress and dealing with grief and loss. And we're not going to bounce back in the first couple of months of 2023. This is going to be a journey of healing from this ongoing trauma that we've had. 
So some of the aftercare practices we can take up, definitely actual true self-care, taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, call your therapist. If you have access to mental health, this is a great time to take that up. I know not everybody does, and I know it's more challenging than just saying get mental health care. But if you do have access to that, if that is something that you can receive, this is a great time to do it. Yes, we've made it through the major stresses. Now is a time to begin to allow yourself to heal from that. Be present and accept where you are in this present moment. Acknowledge that you're healing. Give yourself grace and space for how you're feeling right now. We may feel broken right now. We may not stay that way, but acknowledge where we are right now. Two more things. I think a really great approach is to just take baby steps. So many people, including what you shared, Rebecca, so many people are feeling like I cannot do big gatherings anymore. It brings me so much anxiety. I forgot how to do small talk. I don't like hanging out in big groups, whereas I used to love it. That's okay. Baby step it. Do one-on-one. Go out to dinner with a friend. Have coffee with a friend. Have a friend come over to do a little play date. Take it slowly. Take baby steps. Regain your footing in those small things before you start to try to push into just jumping in the deep end and trying to go back to normal life, right? Allow it to be more manageable. Make a deal with yourself that you only have to do just like a little bit of a thing and see how that feels and kind of ease your way back into things. The last thing I wanted to point out and encourage is try to seek out fun. Start with you. What is fun for you? I'm going to put a link in the show notes that I just listened to a fantastic podcast episode on the TED Health podcast. So TED Talks that have to do with health. And it's Catherine Price. And the name of the talk is Why Having Fun is the Secret to a Healthier Life. And in it, she points out that fun is a feeling, not an activity. So if you're like, I used to love to read. That was my fun time. I used to love to host big gatherings in my home. That was fun for me. Don't get caught up on the activity part of fun and how what used to be fun isn't fun anymore. Think about the fun feeling, that thing that made you feel like you were just glowing from within. And it can be something simple and it can be something that is just for you to experience. So think about fun as a feeling. Look for things that allow you to experience playfulness, that bring you connection with yourself, maybe with people in your life that are important to you, that are playful, that allow you to be in that moment of flow where you like lose track of time and you feel so reconnected with yourself. I think all of us know that feeling when you're genuinely having fun and it really is that feeling. It may even surprise you what is fun to you now. Seek out ways that you can get that feeling of fun, not from a specific activity necessarily, or maybe it's a brand new activity, something that brings you into that playful flow state as much as you can. And you don't even have to spend a dollar to do that. It can be something completely free. Rebecca, as we start to wind this down, I do think that we have to give ourselves grace and we have to give ourselves time. It is going to take time for us to feel like we have regained our footing. We don't have to panic thinking like, I'm never going to be the person I once was. Sometimes that's a good thing to move forward from the people that we were. That's all right. That's part of growth and change. But 
we have to give ourselves time to heal lots of aftercare to help us to feel like we're back into that place of equilibrium where we feel like, okay, this feels natural and true to who I am. Even if that does end up looking different from who you were before the pandemic, it's all about that journey towards healthiness instead of replicating who we used to be. That's kind of where I've landed with all of this. Well, I really appreciate all of that, Meg. I think for myself, I see some relief in being able to like look at my shadow type and maybe dive into that a little bit and recognize that it really is my natural tendency to lean this way. And if I find myself leaning this way, it doesn't necessarily mean that my entire personality is broken and I am never ever who I once thought I was, that I'm reacting out of stress or not the best mental health position, you know, any of those things, but to just say, okay, this is my tendency. And so I can see myself looking into that more to see like, what are those, not necessarily, well, I don't know if red flag is like a good way to approach it, but like, what are those things that I can see myself doing that are indicators that I am not well? Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. I am stressed out. And then right. I also really appreciate the permission to not be well, to still mm -hmm. not be well. You know, the whole idea of the aftercare and that we are only just now beginning this journey of pulling back from the trauma that we have all experienced. I think that it's important for me to hear as somebody, <laughs> I tend to struggle. And again, this is flipping back to like the Enneagram type, but within Enneagram type six personality, things are bad. Okay. If in my mind, if I have deemed that things are bad, it usually is my fault that they are bad. Hmm. And it is always going to be that way. Oh, and that can be. Sorry. That's a lot to carry. And that's a difficult burden that a lot of us do put on ourselves. Hey, awesomes. It's Meg coming to you from the editing booth. I really wanted to pause here and give some more time to what Rebecca just said, that she was still working through feeling like when things went wrong or felt bad during the pandemic years, that she felt this guilt, this responsibility for that. And that as she was sharing this with me and processing it in real time, the full weight of what she had been carrying really hit her. I want to take a beat and give you some space, and some time to reflect on the burdens that you have been carrying for the past three years. What is coming to the surface for you as you reflect on that? Hit pause if you need to take all the time you need to identify and name the burdens that you've been carrying for these past three years. I hope that you find some relief from that burden and knowing this is not you. This is not something you've done to yourself. This is the result. This is the aftershock of living through this, something that none of us asked for. I also want to say too, I fully give you permission to make, <laughs> to literally let your word of the year be bed. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is. You take this whole 12 months. You take this whole 12 months to just find whatever that is 
that brings you comfort, that brings you solace, that helps you feel like I am healing right now. If it's bed, I say go for it. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Meg. I mean, I know I certainly got emotional here, but I appreciate, yeah, the freedom to like not be okay and the hope that, you know, it's, that doesn't mean it's always going to feel this way. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's very, very universal to the human condition that we do think that however things are right now is how it's always going to be. However, we can look back at many seasons of our lives that we've come through that were stressful, that were dark, that were difficult. And we came through it and we found ourselves again. We met back with ourselves again on the other side of that. So that's my hope for all of you awesomes who are listening. Whether you had a terrible, terrible time during the pandemic, or if you found growth during the past three years, or maybe a blend of both, that moving forward, that you're able to take those lessons and see how they apply to your life going forward. Okay, we would love to hear your thoughts as we process this all together. If you do want to find Rebecca, are you up to telling us where we can find you all around the web? <laughs> She's like, oh my goodness, is she still sobbing? I'll no, t- I'm okay. I know where everyone can find you. I could do it. <laughs> well, the truth is, this is the part that I tend to stumble over the most in every episode. I don't know what it is, but every once in a while, I'm like, I repeat the same thing every time. And suddenly I can't remember what it is. Well, my website is simplyrebecca.com and my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. And you can find me there at simplyrebecca. That's right. Okay. You can find me as Sort of Awesome Meg in all of the places online. You can find the show as Sort of Awesome Show. Just search us wherever you are. You will find us. And if you're talking about this show on social media, give us a hashtag, hashtag Sort of Awesome so that we can find you there. We would love to eavesdrop in on your conversation and see what you had to say about our discussions here. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.